0: So, uh, third Friday night, it's Friday night. Must have been Friday night. I, uh, my in-laws were in town, and my so I sat me and my wife were sitting uh, on the couch. They were playing with Ragnar, and I kind of turned to my wife. I'm like, eh, I'm gonna go, you know, shave, uh, give myself some mutton chops. Um, and she kind of just looked at me like, oh, okay. And then uh, and then I went and did it, and I kept the mustache, so I have this really. Um, sort of like Chester A Arthur esque uh civil war general uh vibe going on so I took a picture um and uh, posted it on twitter and then uh bennett uh a red, fellow Red Loon, um, took a picture of himself uh, and said civil war or, you know civil war general pictures only and then proceeded to be a thread of about uh eight or nine other people <laughs> posting <laughs> pictures with like little descriptions of what they were doing uh david martin got in on it as a uh, um, this, this, yeah, this, yeah, it's supposed to be Friday because right, right before the uh, Mr. United game, um, as a old-timey piano, uh, saloon, you know, saloon piano player, um, it was just it was fantastic. And I bring this up, and we'll, we'll talk about the game, in, you know, later. But um, just like that thread is the reason why I love this soccer team so much is because I know all those dumb weirdos who decided just to join two guys who like just took pictures that had, you know, very severe, severe general or civil war general, civil war, uh, civil war general looks. So anyways, um, that was, that was my, that's my fun. in fact, and then I, I proceeded to, uh, slightly slander my wife because I, in the, in the picture, I also said that she was, it was quarantine day 1000. She's very much into the civil war general aesthetic and, uh, she did not get a kick out of that. So
1: I can't imagine the civil war aesthetic is an extremely specific fetish. Like uh no king shaming on this podcast, but uh if she rolls up and was like, yeah, Ambrose Burnside or Bust, like you better play ball, but if she doesn't, you'd better not try it. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah,
0: yeah, sound good to me. Uh-huh. You want me to be that type of dude And I want to be who you like me to But we both know I can't do nothing at all Back uh, for our, um, this is episode 153. I just keep thinking that is an insane number of episodes to talk about. Um, what is was well, for the longest time a very shit soccer team, which is, has turned into a pretty decent soccer team. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, it's just me and Dan today. Uh, no MJ. MJ has got some family obligations, and uh, Bill McGuire uh, would rather get eaten by horseflies apparently. So um, you just got the D the D boys. for the for the podcast so it might get a little weird in here um i rolled
1: a new character did you
0: i did not know yeah um anyways uh so i just wanted so how was your how was your weekend dan
1: uh it wasn't too bad wasn't too bad obviously it was hot as hell uh which i uh i'm super exothermic i've told people i know that uh my lot in life is to eventually be used as a fuel rod so whatever i produce economically now that's just added benefit i know that i'll be dunked in water to power some godforsaken apocalyptic city (laughs) so i'm particularly sensitive to like 95 degrees and another 85 percent humidity so i mostly just kind of laid on the floor of my house and cussed all weekend but honestly not too bad made some pulled pork and uh you know it's a pretty good weekend
0: yeah that's fair um yeah i'm actually i i thrive in the heat for the most part i love i just i love the heat uh in any way shape and form um, however, even on Saturday, so Saturday we had, um, my, so my in-laws were in town. <clears throat> so my parents over, and we all sat outside, socially distanced. I, I, uh, you know, fired up my new grill and, and been using, trying to use that as much as possible. Um, I was like, Oh, I have, I have a bunch of like sausages and hamburgers and whatever. We'll get everybody together. We can all sit outside, you know, six to eight feet away from each other and, and chat. and my parents hadn't seen, uh, Anna's parents and, and probably since my uh, son's birthday. So it's been, you know, over six months. Um, so I didn't even think about that. But I was outside having a couple beers, fire like grilling, doing all that stuff uh Saturday afternoon certain Saturday evening getting inside and uh i I literally this is probably the first time because like, so we, we only have air conditioning in one part of our house and it's upstairs in our bedroom uh, i like I watched the first MLs game from that evening, and at like eight 45 I went uh upstairs and just like took off all my clothes and like laid on the bed like right by the air conditioning um, <laughs> That was the earliest I've been in, you know, upstairs in my bedroom to like potentially f- pass out or go to sleep in probably, uh, uh, two years. <laughs> so, um, I was, it was, I was at heat on Saturday it was particularly oppressive. So. It, it was no joke. Yeah. It
1: was, uh, it was, it was bad. It, it was bad. It was tremendously bad by Minnesota standards, but it was just objectively bad. You can't get 80% humidity anywhere and not have that be just
0: horrendous. No, no, for sure. Um, especially if you're not used to it. Um, all right, well, we're going to talk some soccer, but first, obviously the, uh, Patreon pitch, um, we are, I was actually, I've been chatting with Christian, uh, over at Hop Clouds about some beer stuff. Um, I think I'm going to actually, I'm drinking an old speckled hen tonight. I finally found old speckled hen and, uh, I I think we're going to actually make a old speckled hen style. sort of that English fine ale style beer. So pretty excited about that. Um, we'll hopefully have more details, uh, maybe in a couple weeks here about a, a socially distanced, uh beer handoff for the, all those patreon subscribers who subscribed uh and are do some beer so um thanks everybody for doing that if you want to get involved patreon.com backslash i know to help support the days that you know as always uh heathout.com and uh the days i know if you want to get on the newsletter i'm going to be talking writing a little bit about uh our wig and wig out pod uh that we me and luke recorded um, if you haven't got a chance to listen to that, um, if you have Stitcher, it should be back in your feed now. I got a confirmation from them <laughs> uh, via Twitter today. Um, it's a really weird story. Uh, it was in my feed, so I record, We recorded it Thursday. It was about a little about about an hour. We kept it really tight, uh, and then uh, edited, it, uploaded it. It was showed up Thursday night. Um, only showed as like a minute long. But when I started playing it, it was it played like showed it actually showed the entire time the the podcast was. I was like, oh, that's weird. Uh, then Friday morning, it had completely disappeared. It wasn't in um, the our episode, like in my episode playlist. It wasn't in the soccer specific uh, list I have. It wasn't even in the feed of the days I know only on Stitcher. It was on iTunes. It was on all the other uh, platforms that we have. That one particular podcast had uh, had disappeared from the Stitcher platform. So it was very odd. And I was, I was a little I was worried that that was what brings us down was talking about Hong Kong poker players. Um, that's what got us canceled. I, you know, that, that, would, that was down that on my bingo board for things that would get us canceled.
1: Yeah. You just got way too close to the truth.
0: Yeah. I mean, you touch to the third rail, sometimes, uh, you know, you get electrocuted. So.
1: And of course, uh, Apple and Spotify and Google are all big enough that they just told the uh, betting syndicate to, to piss off back to Macau and Mm-hmm. they did but stitcher had to play ball otherwise they were gonna face right. the the wrath of some <laughs> gambling syndicate right on God, that Wigan story is out of control though yeah
0: if you haven't got a chance to listen to it go back and listen to it um it really it's bonkers and it, it it's it's one of those things that it's a rabbit hole too like you'll you start reading and clicking on links and all of a sudden you've spent like two hours and you're like you have even more questions that's how that's how fucked up it is so um all right so we're gonna talk about the uh the second game of the mls's back tournament for minnesota united we decided to uh per mj's uh suggestion um and of course he's not here to help us implement it for the first time um instead of doing uh all of our best moment worst moment most what the fuck moment we're gonna sort of break this game down um sort of first half second half uh extra time which means you know if i got for you know sort of random hodgepodge things and then we're gonna give uh our Freddie adews stars and shitty players of the game for both teams both Minnesota and for the team that they're playing this case RSL so um I'm trying to keep these two you know a couple a couple of us particular moments um but Dan do you want to start what was uh is there what what stuck out for you in the first half and I kind of wish we would have done this uh last week with Sporting Kansas City because I think um compared to this game that game had a lot more uh, actual uh, stuff happen <laughs>
1: It had a lot more actual stuff happen, and the the break was like a meaningful, halftime really did delineate kind of the, the first part of the game from the yeah. second, and this one sort of flowed together. Uh, big things that that stuck out to me in the beginning of the game, though, was I think this was uh, Roman Metendare's worst game as a loon. Um, yes. Just looked really, really rough going forward, did not complete a cross uh, in the attacking third. He was characteristically solid defensively. It's not like he gave up a penalty or anything like that. Uh, did take a ball to the eye after completely misjudging a bouncing ball. Yeah. Um, he looked good. You know, an interesting piece of that uh, in uh, Matt Doyle's column today on MLS.com, he suggested that uh, potentially part of what was keeping Matt pinned back and not able to be as effective in the attack was the loon's plan to cope with Ike Opara's absence. So I joked uh, when Opara first announced that he wouldn't be joining the team, that what was the team going to do without their leading scorer? And it (laughs) turns out uh, we really may be seeing a lack of of Ike Opara in the attack, just not in the way that we thought. Yeah. Uh, Other thing that stood out to me, we did not have uh, Tyler Miller go temporarily insane. So that was a a plus. Uh, He commanded the top of the box really, really well in this game. And I think it cut off two potential RSL scoring chances. But beyond that, man, it almost looks like his head is right. He's moving his feet really well. And his hands are what is still in quarantine. Yeah. And that's worrisome. That's worrisome to me.
0: Yeah. I noted that too. He looked really shaky. I mean, he's looked shaky this entire tournament. Um, you're right. He, his footing looked much better in this game. He didn't definitely look like, you know, he, and he to be, to his credit, he, he made a couple of, of decent saves, Um uh, the RSL keeper Zach McMath McMathly made a lot made a lot more um, uh, particularly a, a press, in, impressive saves. Uh, most of what Miller had to deal with was pretty much shot right at him. He didn't have to do too much um, diving and, and parrying over his bar. Um, but he did have a couple, and then yeah, he spilled some balls that you know any almost any other team RSL um, is for some reason um, striker averse. Um, almost any other team pounces on those balls, so um so I, I had a couple things too i, I as i was watching this uh at uh the black heart and uh a uh i coined a phrase while there uh called dropping a lewd um <laughs> and that is when um robin Lude is playing a, a very a, a nice looking attacking ball and he passes it straight to the other team um he did that five or six times uh in this game um he was particularly aggressive in the first half uh and in spite of all that i think robin Lude actually had um, one of his better games as a loon uh, in this match, um, but yeah, so for, for that whether, whether, the, whether it's Robin Lude that has, that does it or any other player, if Minnesota's attacking and you know uh, Mason toy you know sidefoots it right to um, the sporting Kansas city defender t- to basically snuff out the play, we can call that drop on a Loon. so that was probably my biggest contribution um, to, the, uh, to the and then the other thing I'll point from the first half actually again talking about Robin Lude. <clears throat> um, his uh, pretty much the the best opportunity either team had on goal, maybe with the exception of Thomas Chacon in the second half. We can talk about that in a second. Is Robin Lude's shot at the forty uh, fifth plus six minute of stoppage time in, in the first half? Um, he uh, you know takes on a couple guys. First off, great pass from Ozzie Alonso to spring him. Um, takes on a couple of guys and and just fires a shot that uh, hits the post post deflects straight to Aaron Schoenfeld, who, you know, diving header, but um, he doesn't, he's not able to get enough power on it, and it's, you know, very low to the ground, so McMath has a fairly easy save. But if Robin Hood puts that goal in, because um, literally as soon as that um, ball was saved by McMath, the, the referee blew the whistle for halftime, um, you may have seen a different game in the, uh, in the second half, so. Yeah,
1: there's a couple of chances, and that, that's certainly the biggest one that you just wonder would that game have improved? Uh, both teams were so attack averse for most of the game that I think they were just waiting for chances like that to go in. You sort of wonder if it might've opened up a little bit. And then the fact that neither team could pounce on a chance meant that it just ground to a halt in the second half.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of that second half. Um, <clears throat> so we got our first, uh, our first taste of, uh, of uh, Thomas Chacon, uh hashtag free Chacon. He was, um, he was hit or miss. Uh he had a yellow card like three minutes in for stomping on a dude. <laughs> um, so, welcome to the MLS, buddy. Um, he definitely uh, got, RSL definitely had a game plan of trying to bully him around. And to his credit, he actually played fairly well for the dude's like five, five, four, five, five. He's like, I think he's like shorter than I am. And I'm not a very tall person. Um, for all that sort of pushing around and, and, and all the hard time. Ta- and R- and R- to our RSL's credit, actually, they were coming in um, pretty aggressively with their tackles all game. And they particularly tried to take to, to beat up on the kid. Um, he managed it all pretty well. Um, and then he had a really great shot. I believe it was at the 85th or 86th minute, uh, a chip um, that almost beat Zach McMath. McMath just, just got just enough on to parry it uh, over the bar to keep um, the game level at 0 so, 0. Um, so he looked good. And when he came in, uh, Robin Lude moved to the center. Um, and then eventually he moved to the right when Hassani Dotson came in uh, for him. Um, you know, the second half for me was pretty stop start. Again, I think Minnesota had the better chances, but I think chances overall were were fairly, fairly even.
1: Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Uh, although I think your assessment of of Chacon is, uh, perhaps a little generous. Um, yeah, it's more misses than hits for me. Um, you know, he he was a huge liability on defense, partially because he was trying to mark Justin Miram for a lot of it, and Miram is a far more physical player and a much much larger player, so that was just a a terrible mismatch. But it's hard to imagine too many players that he'll be a good matchup against.
0: And I think part of, I think part of that though is I don't think he was actually I don't think that was his job as much um, as it is when it is you know say Robin Lude on the left hand side Chase Gasper uh, and we didn't really talk about him I think Chase Gasper actually had a fairly good game in terms of marking both Rusev um and before rusnak or when rusnak comes out with justin miriam, miriam who comes in for rusnak um i don't think either of those guys got many shots um or many opportunities and i think basically the game plan was for chase gasper to sort of lock down and and lewd you know lewd to a certain at certain extent i think lewd is obviously can much track track back much better than chacon but for sure when chacon came on chacon was there to provide offense i think and i think that is something that i don't I haven't heard many, many people talk about um is I, I don't think his I don't think he was asked to play, I mean if he what if he was then he did a terrible job, um, <laughs> and rightfully so. But I don't think he was, ta- and I, I haven't heard anything about people talking about how Robin Lute, or how about uh, Thomas Chacon, um had a shitty game because you know he wasn't tracking back or any any I haven't heard, I haven't heard anything that would like give me that indication. Is that what I'm to say. No,
1: I th- I think he's definitely in for his offense, but it's eleven v eleven. And you've got to track back at some point. It was just there was a couple of times where Miram, like, basically tossed him like a ragdoll to win the ball. And it wasn't even a foul. It was just like they were hand fighting it. Then all of a sudden Chacon went flying. Yeah. But now my issue with him on offense was that he just didn't seem to have a plan when he got the ball. Um, he was looking to dribble. He dribbled himself into a lot of corners. And look, the kids, he turned 19, turned 18, turned 19. Yeah. So I'm not remotely throwing the baby out with a bathwater here. But just as as United tries to establish more of a – offensive identity particularly while uh, they're a little underhanded you know without Opara and with injuries up top I man I just did not see enough from him to say yeah this guy's definitely the answer uh, I will be more than happy to be wrong but I, I had high hopes that it was almost instantaneous and I was like oh my gosh this is just not gonna work but I think one thing worth pointing out is uh, United really counted on him to progress the ball Uh, so he came in for Molino as he mentioned Lude moving more centrally and if you look at the passing chart from the second half there's a huge hole in the center you know and this has been a consistent issue for this team they just don't pass the ball into zone 14 but it was particularly remarkable once Molino was off the field they moved the ball down the wings they were crossing in that didn't work at all it's not going to work again next week uh, which we'll talk about when we get to the the Rapids preview but uh Chacon was just sort of on an island, and it reminded me a lot of Mason Toy in the first game, where you had a super talented young player who just needs more support than go get him, kid. Which it feels like is exactly what uh what Inchi's done to both Toy and Chacon.
0: Tracker Whisperer, Adrian, Adrian Inchi Heath. So, um, I, I'll just say the other thing too is is Rob, and I mentioned this earlier. Robin Lee, I think, had his uh, probably his best game. You know, even the games he scored goals. I think this might've might been his best uh, overall game um, as a, as a, as a, uh, as a loon. Um, he looked certainly looked much, much better um, in the center, um, drifting to the right. And then eventually when he moved over to the right, when Finley came off, um, he looked much, much better on the right. I just don't see how he plays there. Cause I think Ethan Finley has that, unless you want to start Robin Lute over there on the right and bring in Ethan Finley, um, you know, much like Raheem Edwards as a, as a sort of, a, you know, run, you know, run, run track basically up and down, up and down the pitch uh, on, especially against tired legs. So, um, so yeah, I just, we'd have, we have a lot of pieces we have a, i This team has a lot of really good pieces, but like a lot of the same pieces. Yeah. I, I totally same, agree with that. Right. So Yeah. I mean, I
1: think we saw – I would agree that we, not only did we see one of Robin Lude's best games, I think we saw why the team wanted him. Um, I saw a lot of people saying, you know, what is, what is Robin Lude here for? And one of the answer is he played three attacking positions, and he played them all pretty competently. Uh, better in the center and on the right. MJ's beaten this horse to death, so I, I won't do it in his stead. But Lude isn't a left-side player. He just happens to be playing there. And yet, he's pretty physical in the attack. He can keep the ball pretty well until he makes ill-advised passes um he's certainly not finley or amaria he's not going to beat anyone for pace um but there's there's value in his versatility it's just yeah it's hard <laughs> look if he were a domestic right winger that we were playing on the left and i think we could get pretty excited about having him hey it's good to have that guy but on the dp contract like it's re- <laughs> It's hard to look at him and Pozuelo, him and Carlos Vela, him and go. Yeah, these guys are, are occupy roughly the same spot on
0: rosters, but he's a, I, he's a, he's a tam. I thought isn't Amaria and, and Chacon DPs?
1: No, I think I think it's Lude and Gregouche are the DPs, and then Chacon is the young DP, which is the other slot, and Amaria is the tam. Okay. Garbuck's, man. They make no sense. <laughs> yeah, that? Oh, anyways,
0: I, sorry, I didn't mean to derail you there. Um, yeah, go ahead.
1: No, I mean, that's most of it. It's just that it, I think we are seeing how he is valuable, how he fits into this team. It's just really hard to square pretty decent in the attack, above average at a bunch of things with a DP contract. That's the point where I think it all breaks down. But That's true. In, you know, and if we can get Bebelo in and and that deal is now looking less likely than it was when we recorded last week, maybe pull Molino out to the wing. Yeah. I think Lude is the player who cycles to the bench and becomes this incredible sub option because no matter where you need him in the attack, he can play there. But yeah. Yeah. When the, when the best thing you can say about uh, a game is boy, we sure saw Robin Lude showcase his versatility. (laughs) You know, you did not watch a good soccer game.
0: Yeah. Uh and that takes us to our extra time segment. Um sort of just things that maybe don't fit into or 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 uh don't fit into one of those particular halves. Um I, I'm just <clears throat> I'm still um continually confounded by uh Heath sub use sub usage, um whether it's only using two in the first game when clearly the team was um, like you know they, they were every people were gassing and you could say for me, fucked it up more than uh, Heath did. Um, but to the way he used, and so he used four subs this time, which is good. Um, that's better than using only two. Um, but the way he used them was um, mind-boggling for me. Uh, so obviously, he brought on um, Chacon in the at halftime uh, for Molino. Hopefully, that's just a um, there's nothing serious with Molino. Her and he, that's just a. Hey, we're gonna give you 45 minutes off so because we, we know we're probably gonna need you for for ninety on on Wednesday. Um and then he so brings on then he brings on Amaria for uh um
1: for so which is
0: good. Um that was I believe in like the 63rd or 64th minute. It was right around the 65th minute mark, which is great. Okay, that's when we should start seeing more subs. Um and he then brings on Dotson for Finley. Moving load to the right, and again, this is like in the thing in the sixty fifth or sixty sixth minute, <clears throat> and he waits until the eighty first minute to bring on Raheem, Raheem Edwards, and I I definitely remember tweeting I think from the Dave I know account uh, at halftime. God, I would love to see Raheem Edwards run at RSL's uh, fullbacks for forty five minutes or for thirty minutes or for more than more than twelve fucking minutes, basically, is what is what we got of Raheem Edwards running at tired ass defenders. So. I think that is the big thing that sticks out for me is just how I just don't, I just don't understand um, any logic that he uses for his substitutions.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it, it gets to a little bit, what you were saying before about just kind of a lack of a plan and having redundancies, but not really a clarity on how to use them. Um, it, it doesn't feel like the subs came in any meaningful pattern. It's not that he saw a Molino Schoenfeld attack and said, okay, this isn't working. We need more ball control. We need more possession. Let's bring on two different attackers. It was, well, let's see what happens if chicone plays with Schoenfeld. That doesn't work. Shakone and Amaria. Well, that doesn't really work. Uh, yeah. We'll give Hassani Dots in 20 minutes. I guess it's a little more than that, 30 yeah. minutes. Well,
0: but he, so he did He did bring in Amaria and Dots at the same time. So he pulled out Finlay, um, brought in uh, Amaria moved load over, load over to the right, and then had Hassani Dotson playing ostensibly a set central attacking mid, um, which, again, is, like, not his position.
1: Although, but, I mean, this team has deployed him in so many positions, I would be hard-pressed to tell you exactly what his position is.
0: Sure, but that's not the position that Key has excelled in. Have we ever right. – I, I don't know. I think this might be the first time we've fucking seen him in that position. I don't remember a time – When we've seen uh, Hassani Dotson as a central attacking mid, um, you know, or essentially a number 10. No, Uh, I mean, I think it
1: was a recognition of, hey, like, you're a pretty good attacker and you can shoot pretty well. Go get him, kid.
0: Go go get him, kid. Okay. Which, I mean, and and that just seems to
1: be the attacking philosophy of this team is assemble some talent and then. Go get him, kid. It's like she's never played FIFA, where, you know, hey, like these three attackers, yep, they're all good, but they don't play well together. And so you actually get negative points. You know, maybe actually try to figure out how to build an attack that's cohesive. Yeah. I want to see Raheem Edwards start. I really, really, really do. Uh, One, he appears to be an actually relatively native left side player. Um, But even above and beyond that, he's just such a change of pace from everything else we've seen. On the roster, I mean, he's the he's the one guy that I think every team has to know where he is at all times because he moves so much. I mean, he came in and that game had ground to a halt by the time he was in there, but he looked like the only one who wanted the ball on either team.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't understand. Start him, and you know, and if you have to, bring, if you have to, if you can only go forty-five minutes, and you bring in Finley for forty-five minutes, right? I can't believe we can't get a solid forty-five minutes out of Raheem Edwards. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, the uh,
1: the other big moment for me that I think fits into the extra time was uh, speaking of people coming on and getting cards almost immediately. Really shortly after Justin Miram came on for uh, uh, Albert Rusnak, uh, <coughs> Ethan Finley just scorched him for pace and looked to be certainly not in on goal, uh, but you know putting together a pretty good one man attack. And Miram came in from behind and took a huge chunk of Finley, and potentially a little bit of the ball. Yeah, Referee went right to his pocket, gave a yellow. And honestly here, I'm okay with that as the result. Uh, but that, that type of a foul, he came in high, he came in late, he had Finley in the you know, kind of mid-calf, studs up. How yeah. does VAR not take a look at that?
0: That's a good question um there's a, a a moment early in the first game well one of the first games uh the uh Colorado rapids uh, s k c game where ben uh Benizette, um uh took a gigantic chunk out of Graham zuuci and same thing just got a yellow um they didn't go to the bar and look and he, he clearly could have got a red card in that match as well um so
1: it's just an interesting choice like in yeah. in both situations if it ends up being yellow yep it's a referee's discretion call whatever but isn't this what VAR is for is figuring yeah. out like hey you didn't see this in real time that's actually a really dirty foul and i don't think miram intended anything by it but yeah. you know
0: that doesn't matter
1: it doesn't matter right like it's the eddie and foul, file right like whoops you came in a little too fast you hit a little too high sorry kid that's red yeah so that was a that was a frustrating moment for me i just i just want some consistency with what is and what is not going to get booked yeah um and the last thing i think that really really stood out to me in this game is so this was obviously the first time united dropped any points they're still undefeated on the season what almost august undefeated uh I think RSL has now written the book on how to beat Minnesota United or how at the very least to take points off them. Which yep. is, this team works really well in the counter. We saw that against Portland. We saw it uh, to a certain extent against San Jose until that game got out of hand. Uh, we saw it uh, against SKC. RSL basically said, especially once Rousnac was off, yeah, we're going to play for a point, And we're going to give you the middle of the field. We're going to give you the midfield. You can do whatever you want. But as soon as you get into the attacking third, we're going to have six guys behind the ball, and we're going to make you do something that isn't a cross into a standing forward. And United showed no ability to break that down. And so if I'm Colorado, if I'm whoever United plays in the knockout stage, that's what I'm looking at. You know, let's let's commit five, six into attack. But as soon as the ball turns over, get back, get behind the ball and force these guys to make six good passes to break us down because United doesn't have that in the attack right now.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> um, my one last final thing is, uh, just again, kind of back to the refereeing. Um, only three minutes of second half stoppage time. <laughs> um, there was seven subs and a water break in the in the second half. And they only had three minutes of stoppage time um, compared to six minutes in the in the first half. And I don't know if that is a because I've noticed that too um, from the last few games that I've watched is that the, the stoppage time in the second half has been significantly less than the stoppage time in the first half. I think maybe I'm, I'm, this is you know throwing on my tinfoil hat here. Um, maybe MLS is like seeing all these crazy bonkers like late stoppage time goals and they're like, yeah, <laughs> no, keep that seven minute stoppage time unless you absolutely have to have to give them seven minutes. Like let's try and keep it back to something relatively more like normal, um, using air quotes there, for um, what an MLS game is. So I thought that was really weird. Um, Anyways, yeah, so.
1: I just kind of assumed the referee watched the same game we were watching and went, neither of these guys wants to score. Neither of them is all that interested in anything more than a point. Three minutes for the water break, screw you for the rest of it, and let's get out
0: of here. That's a very real possibility, so. All right, so next for you uh, from Minnesota. So your star and your ship player for Minnesota this game. Uh,
1: my star was Ozzy Alonzo. I think we saw such a different team defensively from the sporting game to the RSL game. And it, and it really just comes down to Ozzy being not just an incredible six, which we always know he is, but just a master of that defense. Everything breathes through him. Everything forms around him. And, you know, he may have even had a quiet game statistically by his own standards, but you could just see, like, he was running that defense. The other player I'll throw out there is uh, Aha, who I thought redeemed himself after a really rough game against Sporting KC, particularly uh, when players would receive the ball with their back to goal. Aha did a very, very good job as they turned to face up, taking the ball off of their feet and and not allowing attacks to... Turn from kind of midfield possession into the attacking third to a bona fide attack. So I was impressed by that. Um, I still think once Kalman is back, Aha moves to the bench and Kalman starts. That's a little up for debate. We'll find out after the uh, Colorado game here coming up. But I, I don't like him as a starter, but as a bench option, I gotta say he's growing on me.
0: Yeah, for sure. I had Ozzy as well. Um, he has some great passes and great defense. I, I kind of threw in, I, you know, I seriously gave, uh, Robin Lou some, some, consideration. Um, you know, considering he had the one, probably the best opportunity on goal. Um, he actually, I said, played probably his best game in, in as a Minnesota United player, uh, this game. And, um, and you know, when he sort of got off that left-hand side, um, looked really good. So, uh, who is your friend to do for your shit player of the game? It's gotta be
1: Chicone.) <laughs> um, and and he'll grow. I'm fully convinced he will. But just like Freddie Adu, you, you can't make excuses just because he's young. <laughs> he just There were so many attacks where he would get the ball in an interesting position and either dribble into a cul-de-sac or not know where his next pass was. And um, In a game that was between two teams that were very slow, he was the slowest in terms of how to get the attack to work. And that was really disappointing to me.
0: Yeah, I didn't didn't think anybody had a particularly egregiously bad game, um, but I, I also had Chacon as, as he just was. You know, I think it's a lot of, like a lot of times it's like first game jitters too, right? Like you're you're, you're getting forty five minutes. It's not like a getting forty five minutes. You're gonna go out there. You're gonna you're gonna do as much as you possibly can, and then he's kind of run around like a chicken with your head cut off and not quite doing anything, trying to do everything. So um, I would agree with you there. If we have to give to somebody, uh, all right. So United news. Um, so, Ozzy Alonso made the team of the week bench. Uh, so, good on him. Uh, some MOS news very quickly. Um, they announced this actually during the Minnesota United game. Uh, MOS is pushing back the expansion start dates for three teams. Um, Austin FC is still coming in uh, in 2021, so next year. Um, they have been working for a while now. Um, but they pushed back Charlotte, uh, which was supposed to come in in 2022, and San Lu- St. Louis and Sacramento to 2023. Um, they just, yeah, did a Friday afternoon dump with that, news dump with that. And obviously, you know, they mentioned COVID as being a reason why that the, the um, Charlotte, St. Louis, and Sacramento haven't had as much time to get prepared. Um, but I really think it also has to stem with stadium issues, too. Um, Sacramento and Seattle um, will be opening new stadiums, at, theoretically, in 2023. So their second year. Um, now they can just do it in their first year. And, they're you know, the MLS is still trying to work with the Charlotte owners. Um, they are planning on playing in the NFL stadium there. Um, charlotte uh franchise is owned by the mls charlotte franchise is owned by partially owned by the, the wilfs so we'll get a, a version of what the maybe minnesota united would have looked like if they had, did, had gone to to the uh, vikings um and they're but they're trying to get charlotte to have its own mls or specific, soccer specific stadium as well so um so yeah that's some of the mls news uh the mls is back tournament obviously we're not the only team playing um is there any particular games that stood out to you, Dan, uh, for that you want to talk just very briefly about, maybe a sentence or two?
1: Uh, all throughout the LAFC, LA Galaxy game, uh, El Trafico, not in LA. Uh, and without miss, missing the two biggest stars, Vela didn't come to the tournament at all. Javier Hernandez had a strained calf that now is taken out of the tournament completely. Uh, Galaxy got off the mark. They they looked like they were going to actually show something in this game, and what they showed was they are the second-best team in L.A. LASC <laughs> came to life. Bradley Wright Phillips uh, found new legs. I'm always happy to see that guy playing well. Uh, but Diego Rossi just took that game over, and boy, you wonder how much longer he's going to play in MLS. There's got to be a big money bid coming for him. He has just yeah. been too consistent to score, too technical a player, not to draw. Some pretty serious European interests. Yeah, and and that'll be an interesting test, right? Like you had Miguel Almiron with Atlanta, and then Newcastle came, put down the money, and Almiron was gone, because Atlanta saw the future of the franchise, the money being more important to the future of the franchise than a single player. Does LAFC have that same calculus, or are they going to play it a little differently? So, yeah. But the game was a lot of fun, uh, especially if you dislike LA Galaxy.
0: Right. Yes, exactly. Um, you know, a couple others that I was interested. In. So the, I, th- this section was happening while we were recording last week, Houston three LAFC three. Um, when we were recording that game, I think when we were finished recording, uh, Houston was up three to one. And by the time I started like editing, it was tied three to three kind of cir- circles back to <clears throat> the tropical game. Um, if you're an LAFC fan, are you worried about LAFC's defense? Uh, they give up a lot of goals so far. They gave up three to Philadelphia in LA back in March before before the uh, before the scary times happen. Um, I might be a little bit worried about LAFC's defense. They might score five goals every game, in which case it doesn't fucking matter. But I mean, it
1: reminds me a little bit of uh, the LAFC United game last year that United won two 0 I mean, how many really good chances did LAFC have in that game? Like at least four or five but they were vulnerable at the back on the counter. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's an entirely valid concern. You know, MLS is a league where you can bludgeon someone into submission, but you do get the occasional teams that can really stop your scorers cold. And I, LAFC can't win a 1-0 game or a 2-1 game even. So, yeah, I'd be
0: concerned. Speaking of uh, bludgeoning your uh, team into this submission, um, for anybody who didn't watch the Vancouver-San Jose match, I think on Wednesday. <laughs> Uh, so I was so inspired. I wrote, I I went out and wrote a a newsletter post, um, immediately as soon as, as soon as that game ended, I felt like I was high on cocaine and I just just had to write. And so I wrote and I uh, punched out about 600 words in like 25 minutes. And I was just like, boom, done. All right. Uh, if you didn't see that game, Vancouver, um, who were up at one point, um, were up at two nothing then uh three to one and ended up losing the game four to three uh shea salinas uh scoring a crazy goal at the in like the 97th minute I'm talking about all that extra stoppage time that was a bonkers game if you can go back and watch that game um on espn plus or something do it and you may you can just even skip for the first like 70 minutes of the game honestly like the vancouver goals weren't great san jose looked a little weird then daniel vega gave up a really interesting um had a really interesting pass. Um, allison-esque if you will um to a a vancouver player that he put in the net but the last 25 30 minutes of that game were absolute fucking cocaine like if you are an mls fan that is exactly what you're looking for in mls so it it reminded me of a hockey
1: overtime yeah where teams are playing like four on four because it was just end to end to end it was scoring chance scoring chance goal reset scoring chance scoring chance goal reset like it was It was unbelievable. It was truly a fever dream of soccer. Chris Wondolowski scored. How do you, like, he scored two goals in this tournament, both off-headers. How do you not mark Chris Wondolowski at this point?
0: (laughs) Yeah, the the other other game um, that I just want to highlight was, again, San Jose. San Jose is a really fucking fun team to watch. If if you're a neutral, uh, I know Wes put this out on Twitter. Like, is Philadelphia the, the, the team for neutrals? Maybe in the Eastern Conference, I think if you are a neutral in the Western Conference, San Jose is. They play such a frenetic style. They're going to probably give up four goals, but they're going. To, they might possibly score six. Um, <clears throat> and I put the Chicago zero, San Jose two game down from yesterday, um, because our our old friend Francisco Calvo um, was at fault for at least one and a half of those goals. Um, for sure, the first goal where he kept the guy on the side. And then just didn't really uh, chase after the uh, Espinosa as he's running on goal. And then the second goal, the Wondolowski goal, the second Wondolowski header of the tournament. Um, they show the replay, and, and there's a cross in. No one's marking Wondolowski. First off, um, I don't think it necessarily was Francis with Calvo's guy to mark, but he ran right behind him, and Calvo didn't even jump. Like he just he stood planted firmly to the ground. Um, like he had, you know, uh, the weight of the world on his shoulders. And of course the ball goes straight to Wanodowski, who's maybe five yards behind him. I'm not sure Calvo gets that ball if he does it if he jumps, but he might he might he might get enough of it to to deflect it a little bit. He doesn't even leave the ground.
1: <laughs> he might have at least gotten in Wando's sight line. But that, that. might the, the man has scored more MLS goals in than anyone else, and that might have been one of the three or four easiest ones he scored.
0: He's had a couple against uh Francisco Cavo. Um, he has uh, he definitely has Calvo's number, so uh, any other games you quickly want to talk about? Otherwise we can jump into uh, a few, the NWSL Challenge Cup, a few other notes, and then talk about the upcoming game. <clears throat> uh,
1: I won't dwell on the, the Columbus to uh, Red Bulls nil game because there wasn't too much to say. But Columbus looks like a comprehensive team. Uh, like if we're worried about LAFC scoring and then getting giving up a ton of goals, uh, that is not going to be a concern with Columbus, whose defense is very well organized and uh, – with Giassi's Zardes looking like he can finish now, yeah. they may be a powerhouse. Yeah, He looks, wrote, he looks so confident in a way that I haven't seen him either for club or country in, in probably his entire career.
0: Yeah. I wrote, are Columbus good? Question mark. And I think the answer is probably a resounding yes. So, yeah.
1: That's a yes from me for sure.
0: <clears throat> All right. Cool. Um well, let's take a quick break and when we come back we will talk about very quickly at Madison NWCL Challenge Cup and talk about the upcoming match against the Colorado Rapids. Yeah. Yeah. You want me to be that type of dude and I want to be who you like me to but we right and we're back um so Ford madison gets back to playing uh usl championship kicked off um over the weekend uh some interesting games there we're not gonna talk about usl but um interesting notes for madison they're not playing the matches at Bree stevens field um they're playing in a town called wawatosa um that's because dane county is actually smart and has uh, orders in place where people can't congregate and gather uh including the team like literally like the orders are set up so that even the team can't get together and practice in Dane County. So the uh, Madison, uh, the Mingos will be on the road. Um, their first match is actually uh, this coming Saturday uh, away to North Texas, where the defending champs of the USL League One. So uh, let's go Mingos. And all those games are on ESPN Plus too, if you want to watch uh, if you want Mingos, they're on ESPN Plus. So. All right, um, then very quickly we'll talk NWSL Challenge Cup. The knockout rounds started uh, over the weekend, Friday and Saturday. Um, It was actually a weekend of upsets. Uh, North Carolina Courage lost 1-0. They were the 1-seed to the 8-seed Portland Thorns. Um, Houston Dash, and then all the rest of the games were PK. So literally there was one goal scored in the entire quarterfinal round of the NWSL uh, uh, tournament. So um, – Houston Dash beat the Utah Royals in PKs. Houston Dash were the four seed. Royals were the five seed. The Spirits, Washington Spirit, lost to Sky Blue FC on PKs. So they were the second seed, and Sky Blue was the seventh seed. And third set, third seed, O.L. Rain, lost on PKs to uh, Dan, your Chicago Stars, who were the sixth seed. So um, congratulations, Dan, and to MJ. And my North Carolina Courage lost, obviously. Um, Rodrigo keeps giving me shit and keeps pointing to, like, saying that the better team won, and I just keep pointing him to the NWSL Challenge Cup standings where NWCO, uh the Courage, scored seven goals. And I don't think a team who wins this tournament is going to score seven goals for the entire tournament, including the knockout rounds. So um, that Portland Thorns goalkeeper stood on her goddamn head.
1: Yeah, the third, third watch, string keeper. It should be pointed
0: keeper.
1: out. <laughs> yeah. Bella Bixby head. basically made her name in one game.
0: Yeah. Um, she stood on her head, and uh, good for them, good for him. Um, but you're not the better team just because you won in a knockout round. Um, one-off game. Sorry, Rodrigo. Not going to concede the fact. Any, any, Anything else you want to talk about for NWSL Challenge Cup? <clears throat> uh,
1: it looks like legs are starting to get heavy. Uh, there were some really, really good games in the group stage, and the knockout games were just dire. Yeah. Uh, that uh, The Thorns-Courage game, by far the best of the set. Uh, shout out Bella Bixby for just – an absolutely stellar game because Dubenya. No, that for, wasn't for...
0: That wasn't Bixby. Bixby it wasn't. started. No, that was extra uh, Ekström. Oh, you're right. Yeah, you're right. It was Eckerstrom. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, sorry. That's, that's my starter. bad. He got hurt in practice. Um, they actually brought in uh, uh, Alyssa, not uh, Naylor, uh, the German keeper as like the backup goalkeeper at the, like the very last minute to fill out the roster. So it was that was the third string keeper. Yeah, Bixby yeah, string keeper French is their first string keeper, and she was hurt before the tournament. Bixby got her in practice, and then, yeah, Eichelstrom was their third string keeper.
1: And, and Dabinia in, like, the, I want to say, 81st, 82nd, oh. for all intents and purposes, tied the game with a glorious equalizer that was only that – that might be one of the best saves I've ever seen. Yeah, like even irrespective of context, you add in context and it's definitely top three or top four. But just on pure athleticism, yeah. an
0: unbelievable me, save. Easily the best player on the pitch. Um, she was absolutely amazing. She, I, the fact that she did score is just mind-boggling. Um, and and the Courage had so many chances at at uh, at the Thorns goal. If the Thorns should be commended. They played. I mean, they they played. I mean, they were didn't they didn't really play super tight defensively because the Courage just kept carving them up. But like Eckerstrom just stood on her goddamn head. And uh, and pull out one of the one of the better goal, goalkeeping uh, exhibitions uh, um, I've ever seen personally. So,
1: and it's an interesting lesson to take both for the the rest of the NWSL tournament, but especially as MLS moves into the knockout stage, like one hot goalkeeper can absolutely change a match. And it does make me a little nervous that the Loons' weakest piece right now is probably Tyler Miller. <laughs> uh, you know, we we have seen him get hot. It's entirely possible, but boy, it would sure be nice if he were making big-time saves and really showing that he was going to keep this team in a game that maybe they weren't going to win otherwise. Yeah. Uh, But we haven't seen that yet, so hopefully.
0: So the um, semifinals take place on Wednesday on CBS All Access. Uh, 11.30 a.m. is Dash versus Thorns. Um, Then 9 p.m. is Stars versus Sky Blue FC. Um, Don't forget to cancel your CBS All Access after that because – you're probably your month of your free month is probably ending right around My, Mine is ending on the on friday so um and then the uh final is on saturday um the 26th at 11:30. that's on big cbs um, i should also point out you actually don't maybe you don't want to cancel your cbs analysis. if you want to if you have a team in the europa league or the champions league you want to follow maybe give them an extra five bucks for uh, for the for one more month so all right <clears throat> anything else you want to say about the, the the nwsl other than i think it's been it's this has been a really great tournament as you said, the group stage games were amazing. Um, these quarterfinal rounds were, you know, not as great. But you know, I think anything, anything happen once you get to the semifinals, especially with you know, the three, three of the lowest seeds and the four seed um, all advancing. It's it's kind of all up in the air.
1: Yeah, I I would find the rest of this tournament hard to bet. Uh, I think the stars now that we are into uh, games you can win by penalty. Uh, I think they have found their beat, which is. Play for a nil-nil draw and let a listener do uh, what she does best.
0: <laughs> and you know, everybody's kind of saying, "Oh, the Thorns were the eighth seed in this tournament. Wow, that's crazy upset." This, you know, the NWSL is such a um, generally a a even such an even um, league that you know, Portland, you know, they, they they were they were coming back with they had a lot of injuries. Um, <clears throat> it was weird they didn't win a game that they ended up being the eighth seed, but you know. Everybody had this one picked as a potential upset, um, you know. So, anyways, it, it'll be it'll be fun. Just watch watch the NWSL. It's it's a fun it's a fun tournament so far. So, all right, um, moving along. Um, so, we're gonna talk about uh, the, our upcoming game against the Colorado Rapids. Um, so, the lines right now: Colorado is a plus two forty to win. Minnesota United is plus one ten. Uh, draws plus two eighty. Uh, Over/unders two and a half goals. The over is minus one twenty five. The under is even. Um, this is a fun interesting bet that I found um, it's halftime full time so whoever's leading into halftime and then again leading at at full time uh, halftime draw Minnesota United win is plus 475 or a Rapids lead at halftime Minnesota United wins is plus 1800 which I think is actually a very very interesting bet Um, Colorado came out of the gates hot against Sporting Kansas City Uh, we didn't really talk about that game Maybe we'll talk a little bit about it uh, is in relation to our game coming up. But um, what do you think, Dan? Is that uh, is that halftime, full time betting either of those two intrigue you?
1: Uh, I, I I might I'd probably go halftime draw, full time uh, loons win or a couple, well let me rephrase. I think the loons win this game, but if I'm betting it, I like the odds on Colorado a little bit better. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll get into this in a in a second here, but. Even if this team has nothing to play for in terms of the knockout stage, I think they were so upset with how the Sporting Kansas City game went. I think they're playing for a lot of pride in this game. And I think Robin Fraser has shown his ability to motivate this team and to really get in their heads in a good way. I think they're going to come out all guns blazing, whether they have a future to play for or not. Uh, but I'll tell you what, if I'm if I'm betting this game overall, I'm not going to touch the halftime full time Those are two high variants for my taste. Uh, give me Colorado at plus two forty parlayed with an over, because if Colorado is going to win this game, they're not slipping in one goal. This is they're <laughs> going to come out and score three, That's and true. and the Loons are going to have to keep up.
0: So it's yeah, you mentioned that, um, and I forgot to mention up above. So Sporting Kansas City and Real Lake are are playing at nine o'clock or playing eight a.m. our time um, on Wednesday morning. So. Minnesota United will know exactly what they need to do in order to either win the group, um, come in third in the group, come in second in the group. Like they'll, they'll know know, precisely what they're going to need to accomplish. And I think we'll even know what they need to do to just guarantee that they're going to get one of those, um, you know, wildcard third place spots as well. So that I think is going to, we're going to talk a little bit about the the Rapids themselves and, and, and how United should play them. But I think, I think it all kind of goes out the door if if you know Minnesota United knows certain and I'll talk about that in a second, but like certain scenarios I think really will dictate what how Minnesota United plays against Colorado. So
1: I think it'll particularly dictate Inchie's lineup. You know, if they know that they're through to the knockout stage, uh no matter what, I wouldn't be all that surprised to see, yeah, Molino get another 45 minutes, but not play a full ninety. Wouldn't be that surprised to see Amaria get rested to make sure that he's healthy for the knockout stage. Um, But the flip side of that is if you, let's say, start Raheem Edwards or you're giving Ja'Cory Hayes time, those are guys, those guys are hungry. And they have to prove that they're worthy of getting minutes further on down the line. So we may actually see a talent uh, on a talent scale a slightly diminished Minnesota United team, but that actually plays with some energy in a way that they didn't against RSL.
0: Yeah, the the problem is is that um, I mean Minnesota finishes. So Minnesota, in, in my estimation, and I've chatted with this uh, with me and Wes are talking about this um, at the Black while watching the game on Wednesday um, or sorry on Friday. <clears throat> if Minnesota United, so Minnesota United has a couple different options here if they finish third. Um, if they finish first, um, they host a third-place team from Group uh, B, E, or F, which is probably going to be, you know, Chicago, uh, Cincinnati, or the Houston, um, more than likely. <clears throat> um, if they finish second in their group, they play uh, Columbus, probably more than more, more than likely. Um, you know, if they win the group, then you know they play they played. Sorry, yeah, winning group plays. B or F, they come in second in the group. They play Columbus. Um, they come in first in the group. Um, oh yeah, never mind. They come in third in the group. Then they either play San Jose or uh, the A one um, team, which is probably going to be Orlando. So you either want to come in first or third. I think in in this group, I think playing Columbus in the knockout round is is going to be a tough tough order. So. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah. I mean, first I'll give you your props here because, uh, Orlando did just win group a and, uh, you predicted that they would be far more formidable than I did. And I Thank think than any of the rest of us did. So hat tip to you for, uh, for getting that one, even if you couldn't pick the NWSL, <laughs> uh, I wasn't going to give you full points I'll take my, take my shot in there at the same time. Um, yeah, I don't want any part of Columbus. I think they're, they're one of the teams to beat in this tournament. Um, I, or yes, Orlando has played pretty well. I would still far, far rather play them. And and the hosting or not hosting is, of course, a joke, right? Like, well, you could host a playoff game or go on the road. Well, okay, that's a calculus, but you're playing on literally the exact same field. It's just a question of which end. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's hard to play. I think it's it's hard for a team like United that's going to sit back and um, soak up pressure at the best of times I think it's hard for them to play a half-assed version of that style without being pretty willing to lose. Um, I mean, that's a style that, that is kind of a, you're more likely to draw than anything else unless your counter is really good. So yeah, yeah, they may not play full energy on the counter, but I I can't imagine they'll do worse than a draw against Colorado unless they really, really phone it in.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I said, you know, like I said, the third place team for, from group D will play either Orlando or San Jose. We've had, we, you know, in the last several years, we've had both Orlando and San Jose's numbers um, in terms of, you know, going and having specifically San Jose. <clears throat> um, and also specifically Orlando, actually, I don't think we've ever lost to Orlando. We've lost to San Jose, but it's been a, been a couple of years. Um, but again, the draw
1: the draw we had against Orlando last year was a loss. If we're honest, that was a terrible draw.
0: Right. You're right. Um, but yeah, if we win, then we're, you know, playing a third place team. Um, and again, that second place, uh, is, is a date with more than likely Columbus, um, which is, uh, you know, I think I find that particularly, particularly scary, but, um, let's, let's talk a little bit about, um, let's talk actually a little bit about the, uh, the players, the teams that we're going to be playing against Chicago. Um, who, you know, who do you good, who's good on, on Chicago?
1: Uh, you want to start this?
0: Oh, sure. Yeah. So, um, sorry, I just, I, I took all the good ones <laughs> oh, and feel free to jump in on any on, of on these. I mean, I was, let's say, obviously, you know, Jonathan Lewis, um, uh, Kai Kamara, Akelon Acosta, Acosta and Diego Rubio. That is a, a formidable attacking, um, formidable attacking options that, uh, Robin Fraser has for, um, for Colorado. Why don't you, do you, is there anything, any one of those particular guys that you have, uh, that you want to talk about? I'll let you, that,
1: uh, I think it's, Jonathan Lewis is is a member of that 2017 draft that we've talked about before as being, uh, just you know top to top to the ten picks, just all fantastic and Abu Dunladi. Um, <laughs> so he's definitely a player that I'll be watching closely. Really good attacking movement. He was the one who scored, uh, the what looked like the equalizing goal in the 83rd yeah. uh, for nine man Rapids, looking like they were going to pull a point out. Uh, so his energy is fantastic. He's a smart player, um, cuts inside really, really nicely. Um, he's the type of player that if the Loons were had their full complement of defense, I wouldn't worry about it as much because our center backs are so disciplined. Yeah, He's the type of guy who I could see pulling Aha into stepping up to try to cut off a shot and then just taking two an extra dribble around it and putting him in the near post. So yeah. he's the one who scares me out of their attacking set.
0: Yeah. Both, both Lewis and I would say both Lewis and, and Kai Kamara came on, um, in the like 73rd minute in that game against, uh, Sporting Kansas city. Um, you know, Kellen Acosta opened up the scoring against SKC and he's always been, um, a thorn in Minnesota's side. um, for several seasons, and then of course, Diego Rubio um, set uh, set him up um, for that uh, that great that great strike. There. And did you see that goal that Acosta had against Sporting Kansas City? Yeah, it was fantastic, and it
1: was yeah. it was so consistent with the types of goals that United scored. In the sense that it was it was just an over pursuit on the defense, and all of a sudden the field was wide open because there was no communication in the Kansas City back line.
0: Yeah. Um, anybody else that you want you want to highlight for who's good you don't have to if you don't
1: yeah so that note uh who's good who's left uh it's not actually to you it's because they got two red cards like yeah. jack price was their captain he had yeah. their their highest number of assists and then all of a sudden said something completely unforgivable yeah. uh, which we can get to in just a second here the two other players i'll highlight uh andre Shinyashiki. Uh, the 2019 Rookie of the Year is another member of this powerhouse attack. It's it's no wonder that this team scores so many goals. Uh, but the guy I'll throw out on their defensive side, which is not something we'll have focused on, is uh, Lalas Abubakar, who has 39 clearances in four games. So he's averaging about 10 clearances a game. Uh, for reference, United had 14, Minnesota United had 14 clearances as a team on uh, against RSL. So uh, he's he is sort of a one man wrecking crew. And if United thinks that they can default to their run the wings, cross in or start Aaron Schoenfeld, a player like Abubakar is going to make that exceedingly difficult.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, that does take us to who sucks. And, and, you know, you can say uh, the Colorado defense, um, as they are conceding a lot of goals right now and, and are, um, Particularly, I can't remember who, who wrote it. So I read it somewhere. Basically, like, no team has, like, given up more with their, you know, great opportunities, like, by their defense is absolutely screwing up, other than maybe Vancouver. <laughs> um, when Colorado screws up, it, this is very much like MLS, Minnesota MLS in 2017, 2018, where Minnesota defense makes, it makes a mistake, and every time the other team pounces on it, right? So, um, the game. Uh as you mentioned, Jack Price got a red card. Uh Danny Wilson um got a red card. Uh there so that's your your captain and, and, and central midfielder, um, defensive midfielder and one of your, your starting fullbacks um uh, are not playing in this game. Um as I mentioned a little bit ago, Nicholas uh Benizette should have got a red card uh in their match. And then um you know you can talk uh, Sam Vines Um, the the back, the back line of Colorado has, um, you know, they had that one season, was it three years ago where they, um, didn't, they gave up like 25 goals the entire season. And ever since then, they've been exceedingly bad. So, um, is there anybody in particular that you wanted to, uh, to shout out?
1: Uh, I'll shout out former Loon, Colin Warner, who Mm -hmm. will probably step into the midfield here, uh, for, for Jack Price. And I'll, let me double back on Jack Price, because I think it's worth bringing up. So Jack Price is the captain. Uh, and that usually means that you have some leeway with the official. I have also, until this moment, never seen a straight red for dissent. There is a foul. So this is shortly after the first red card. Colorado gets carded for a foul on the sidelines. Jack Price walks to the official and says something. And straight red for dissent to the captain see you later and there was no hesitation in the referee's eyes in his movement it nothing beyond a straight red ever occurred to him he pulled it and it was it was game over and i am dying to know what jack price said to earn a straight red in that situation because they like the referee had to be in his heart of hearts like a little reticent to give it. We, it we see this all the time like a guy's on a yellow and he goes in for like maybe not a great tackle probably would have been a first yellow and the referee's like eh, don't do that again that's yeah. what this situation should have been except like did Jack Price impugn his parentage did he assert that the referee was being bribed uh which Shinya Shiki did uh on uh on Twitter later uh, yeah what the hell can you say as the captain in a heartbeat, to go from "Hey, my guy shouldn't have gotten a yellow there." To "Whoops, I got myself a red card for dissent."
0: You know the uh, you, you've obviously you're a baseball fan. You've always, obviously seen the movie Bull Durham. Oh yeah, it's, it's it's I'm just picturing that like that scene where Annie and I uh, uh, have oh, blinking on the other character's name. They're talking. They're, they're listening to the game on the radio, and uh, um, uh, Bull <laughs> well, Crash calls uh, calls the umpire the F word. Um, multiple times a, a scene that does not age well, uh, in uh, this day and age. Um, so yeah, just for, be forewarned if you've never seen Boulderm. Um, so I'm thinking it, has, it must have been something like that, or or you know, called his mother a whore, or or something that, uh, but apparently, so I can't remember what, maybe it was uh, Shinnyashiki, um, or maybe was somebody else. I read in a story basically that they've heard Wondolowski call referees way worse than what uh Jack Price said. And the referees walk away smiling. So Colorado has, like, and the Colorado and the Colorado fans have this um, really weird uh, belief that the referees are biased against them and, and the MLS is biased against them for some godforsaken reason. Because everything I read today um, and yesterday was basically just about, about that, like how MLS is out to get them and the referees are out to get them and they always try to screw over Colorado. So I don't don't necessarily understand it. It not, does not rival the, um, you know, crazy Atlanta fandom but it's 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 getting up there uh, you know depending on what you read so
1: yeah I you know maybe this all goes back to uh MLS allegedly forcing Colorado to trade Birch and Cronin mm. to uh to Minnesota United maybe this is this is all part of the same grand web of conspiracy
0: hack conspiracy maybe but uh, good point
1: so I for whatever reason Colorado will be without two of their better defensive players and uh they're leading assist man in price uh so i'm assuming colin, colin warner will step in uh loons fans have seen enough of colin warner to know he is an extremely their player
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, if he's your six you sure have a six uh, but he's you know he, he's not going to be at fault for the game winning goal he's not going to give away crazy chances he's just also not going to push your team forward yeah uh, so I think that will hurt Colorado's ability to turn defense into offense quickly. Uh, that said, I don't think that's how they're going to play this game. So Colin Warner may well play 90 minutes and do just about nothing, which I can think of worse ways to collect a check.
0: That is, that is true. That is true. Um, so yeah. So how should we play them? Um, you know, Colorado traditionally, and and, and i always say this as well, like Colorado has been, the minnesota's boogeyman for the last several years um sneaking wins um you know, grinding out uh, you know draws that they, that they don't deserve um coming into minnesota and beating minnesota um hell my favorite picture that sits on my nightstand is uh, of um uh, harrison heath getting a red card in the, the colorado uh, colorado rapids versus minnesota united match at allianz field or not allianz, at tcf bank stadium um but you're right um, having being out without without Price and Wilson is gonna is gonna be different for them. Um, they play traditional four three three. We're gonna probably see so Austin trustee came in once Wilson got his red card, um, and either yeah Mesquita or uh, or old friend Colin Warner. Um, they do have a bit of attacking depth, and um, so Ozzy, you know, really cleaning up shit is really important. And I think honestly, you know, as I mentioned up top, well, what we see from Minnesota and how Minnesota United plays them is going to be a hundred percent dictated on the results of the match in the morning. If Minnesota doesn't need points, um, I think they will try to steal a point. Right. Um, I think they're going to try to, you know, um, if they, you know, if RSL wins and maybe they RSL beats Kansas city, you know, three to nothing or something like that, which really pads on the goal, di- French, goal differential. I mean, so right now RSL has, has a plus one on, on Minnesota in terms of goal differential. If, if RSL, wins by, say, more than two goals – or more than two goals, let's say. You know, that, that would require Minnesota United to really put the uh, – put the pedal to the metal, um, and I just don't think Heath is wired to do that. Um, you know, so if, if – you can see an RFL win, I think Minnesota comes with a very conservative lineup. Um, if Sporting Kansas City wins and really puts the pressure um, on – if Sporting Kansas City wins, you know, assuming if Kansas City wins by more than one goal, Minnesota has to do nothing other than just um, – just get a draw. Um, Again, I think people just play for a draw. I don't really see many scenarios outside of um, uh, a draw that forces um, Minnesota United to actually play uh, an attacking game. So what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, and the nice thing for the Loons is not only will they know their fate because of the RSL Kansas City game being in the morning, but uh, as far as the third place, that'll be settled tomorrow with the DC United game. So they'll know full well whether they are in no matter what and they're playing for seeding or whether they really do have something to play for. So I definitely agree. He's got some options there. Um, I desperately don't want to draw. I don't want United to get into a track meet with, with uh, Colorado because as we've established, Colorado has some great attacking depth, some really, really nice pieces up there. Um, But they're, they're going to try to hold the ball in Minnesota's third. They're going to they're going to try to pass around the top. They're going to try to find Kay Kamara, Kay Kamara, sorry. Uh, and that's going to give United the chance to run on the break if they want to. Uh, but I I don't want to get into you know the second half of the Vancouver San Jose game where one team's trying to possess and shoot and the other team's trying to run the other way as fast as they possibly can. So you know it sets up if neither of these teams has anything to play for, you know, let's say exactly the scenario you were talking about RSL just beats the tar of SKC. And so we know exactly how this, this group is going to fall. I would love to see a fully rotated squad. Give me 90 minutes of Thomas Chacon, give me Jakori Hayes, give me Mason toy, like the whole nine yards. And they're like, let's run. Let's play a counter attack uh, against Colorado's really, really good attack, and let's let's play this. Let's play a six-five, and (laughs) however it shakes out, that's fine by me. I mean, that'd be a lot of fun, but I think that's a a little bit unrealistic. I think the team will have something to play for, and it's just a question of how aggressive Inchi wants to be. And honestly, we haven't. The times that we have seen Minnesota be in anything resembling that position, he's gone extremely conservative. Think the away game at Kansas City last year, uh, when he almost fully rotated the squad to try to game out the cup and and league responsibilities and then the very last game up at Seattle when United could have been significantly more aggressive than they were and got burned for it could
0: have finished second place if we won that game
1: very much so or if Finley could have finished the one attack so I mean there's you know it's a it's all what-ifs but point being we just haven't seen Inchi put out a lineup that's super aggressive that says you know, I do want to win this group. And so if I got to win this game by four goals, I'm going to make it happen. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a nice position to be in. Uh, United certainly earned it with the, their gritty win over, over SKC. But uh, I'm glad, I will be very glad if we go into that game just hoping no one gets hurt. Hmm. Use five subs, get as many players in as you can, live to fight another day.
0: Yeah. Um, so what's your prediction prediction?
1: I'm going to say, uh, it is true. United goes into this game with nothing to play for and, uh, plays like it, but Colorado can't break them down. And it's, uh, let's say a one, one draw.
0: Okay. I kind of copped out here. I said, uh, I, I based mine based on what happens in the, that morning game. If S, if sporting Kansas city wins, um, I think Minnesota plays for a draw and gets a draw. If RSL wins, I think Minnesota loses. Um, I think they do that sort of big squad rotation that you're mentioning, and you know, give, maybe just give Thomas Chacon 90 minutes to see what the fuck he can do. Um, you know, keep Amaria on the bench, keep um, Ozzie on the bench. Um, if there's a draw, I think Minnesota. I think there's an opportunity for Minnesota to go for it, um, and uh, Minnesota gets a win. So um, that's kind of pick whichever happens in, in the morning. That is what your that is my prediction for the for the evening game. So. All right. Um, so we got some questions uh, and we got some fucking answers. Uh, so Hop Clouds asks um, biggest shock uh, in the tournament for so far for each of us. What's the biggest shock of the tournament?
1: I got to say Atlanta. Uh, you know, we saw them struggle without Joseph Martinez in the, the pre COVID times, which is to say a thousand years ago. Um, but boy, they have looked not just toothless in the attack, they look bad. They yeah. look like a team that will struggle to score goals. They look like a team that will struggle to defend. They look poorly coached. They don't look well disciplined. So I, I'm not surprised that they've struggled, um, particularly with how well we've seen Columbus play. Um, I am surprised that they haven't struggled as much as they have.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. I agree. <clears throat> um, I mean, Atlanta the, is the – you know, the, the, I guess the big answer there. I mean, honestly, I, I also, I would say um, the Columbus crew being as dominant as they have. Um, and you could also, you could, theoretically you could throw Orlando into this, into this mix as well, though. I picked Orlando to go through. I thought Orlando would go through as the fourth spot in the, in that 16 group. So I did not expect them. I did not p- pick them to win the group um, like they just did. So I think them winning the group is actually a, a you know, considering their, Relative history in uh, MLS is a, is a pretty, big, pretty big shock so far as well. Um, yeah, didn't
1: they, have, they had 12 wins going into this tournament? Is that right?
0: Something like that. Yeah, they haven't won a ton of games. So, so
1: that means they've won 18% of the games in their entire history in yeah. this tournament.
0: Yeah. Pretty cool, huh? <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, uh, that's
1: one word for it. Sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, Charles asks, uh, does anyone like the late kickoffs? He, he says he was up until one a.m. watch the RSL match, which felt like pulling teeth. And even Ali Moreno, uh, Ali Moreno said MLS owes me thanks. When's that thank you coming? Um, Charles, uh, your Garber bucks, um, much like your Soros bucks, are in the mail. Um, you just gotta wait and wait and wait, and they will be there. Um, I personally like the late kickoffs because I stay up late. Um, I'm generally not in bed before, I, and I mentioned I was in bed, you know, at 9 o'clock the other day, but that was because there was, like, it was 95 degrees and, like, 95% humidity. Um, most nights, I'm up till, you know, midnight, 1 o'clock in the morning, so I don't mind staying up until 1 o'clock watching soccer. I
1: I am also something of a night owl, so it's not killing me to stay up late for these games. I just want them to be better. So, like, it was it was easy as to stay up for that San Jose Vancouver game. I would have stayed up another hour to watch the end of that thing. I think it was awesome. But you know, the, the RSL game, uh, some of the others we've had that time slot more than any other feels like it has a disproportionate number of just the plotting bad games. Uh, Even the 8 AMs have seemed to have been a little bit more interesting. So I wonder, I wonder if it's a heat thing. I wonder if it's a, a, fatigue thing but it just seems like no matter what we think it seems like teams don't want to pay in that time slot so that's uh that's my bigger takeaway i'm honestly surprised i figured the uh the 8 a.m slot would be the one where teams just looked sleepy until about the 73rd and then all of a sudden sprung to life but it hasn't been the case
0: yeah there's been some um particularly bad uh AM games too that game this morning um miami and nycfc was a a bad game so, we, should,
1: we should take this opportunity to point and laugh at Miami, the worst expansion team in MLS history.
0: That's right, yeah. They've, they've lost uh, five, their first five games. No one's the, ever done. Uh, it. The mind.
1: fighting the fightin Beckhams have not uh, used that money wisely.
0: Good on you. Good on you, Inter-Miami. Um, let's see. I think one, more, one more question. Yeah. Um, so, Sheldon Sieg wants to know uh, who we got in the FA Cup, Arsenal or Chelsea?
1: So I'll take this opportunity to gloat about a crazy week for Arsenal in which they beat both Liverpool and Man City.
0: I say was uh, is, this, is this the greatest week in Arsenal history in the last 10, 10 years in the last decade?
1: Uh if the if the if the stakes of the Liverpool game had been anything then I think the answer is yes. But that game was was dead meat. So yeah. nobody uh I think it's the most impressive week in terms of coming home with with two extremely credible results. Uh but uh, particularly the game against City, uh, you could say Liverpool lost the game to Arsenal more than Arsenal won it. And I won't push you on that too much. Arsenal beat Manchester City. Like they walked in there and they took their lunch money and they walked out. And, and full credit to them on that. Uh, Chelsea looks really, really good. Um, if I'm totally honest, though, I'm glad Chelsea beat Manchester United because as much as United looks really good and Chelsea looks really good, United with Bruno Fernandes and Paul Pogba when they're both on the field has this gear where they are unplayable, where you can't stop them. They may not score, but it will be because of missed shots or an occasional misplaced pass. You can't break up their offense, but they may break themselves up. Mm -hmm. So I I would rather have Arsenal in a tooth and nail, no holds barred fight against Chelsea with both teams trying to play their style and win it out than just hope that Manchester United doesn't go Super Saiyan as far as whoever, as far as whoever is going to lift the actual FA Cup, I want this to be Arsenal so bad. Partially because I called it way, way back. I mean, you know, if it happens, we're pulling that pod recording, saying mm-hmm. that the most Arsenal thing would be to miss Europe, but then win the FA Cup. Um, and knocking, I think
0: they, I think they can do it, knocking Spurs out of the FA Cup out uh, right.
1: of Europe, out of Europe. Yeah. Europe, which would be a trophy in and of itself. Um, you know, honestly, Chelsea's going to be the favorite in this game, and rightly so. Arsenal has shown an incredible ability to get up for games that no one thinks they have any chance in. So, if I were if I was betting my house on it, I would bet Chelsea. But I I think Arsenal may actually do it. But it's the hope that kills Arsenal fans, yeah. and it, it has been forever, and will be ever more.
0: So, uh. I was actually doing the math um there's a there's a way for you guys to uh if wolves lose um on sunday spurs lose on sunday you win midweek uh and then win on sunday you would leapfrog uh, and you make you got to make up five goals on wolves between between these two games right you could leapfrog um sorry yeah because yeah wolves are on 59 points Spurs are on 58 points. You got and you're at 53 points. Um so Wolves lose, Spurs lose or draw, um you make up um said yeah, five, the five the five goals on Wolves or six goals if Spurs draw. You would leapfrog both Wolves and Spurs. So you could theoretically lose the FA, you know, leapfrog them and then go ahead and win, lose the FA Cup, um which would uh cause uh one of those teams Spurs again to uh, be I think that is the more like diabolical scenario honestly (laughs) no because I think you just want you just want to win the FA Cup and get get it the fuck over with
1: I that's a that's a bigger part of it Uh, but honestly you know it's because as much as I love St. Totteringham's Day and and the, the good tradition of Arsenal always finishing above Spurs like so much of what Spurs are now is what Arsenal was lampooned for being under Arsene Wenger except they're like the the dime store version of it. <laughs> you know, under Wenger Arsenal was always in the Champions League, never finished out of the top 4. Also never won trophies. Um so they were this incredibly consistently good team that just could never get across the line. And that's Ben Spurs. I mean, the, the team is extremely talented. They were in the the Champions League final last year. Um but they haven't been able to get it across the line. And so at this point if we're going to talk about differentiators between the clubs Yeah, I'd like to finish above Spurs. That'd be cool and fun. I want the parade. I want the parade through North London again. I wanted them to go right past Scheidhart Lane, holding the trophy. I don't even care if there aren't fans, because we're all (laughs) cheering there in our hearts. Just holding up the trophy, going, you don't have any of these. And you haven't since most of your fans were born. You bandwagon plastics. (laughs) All right. I don't have any strong feelings about this. I don't know why. Like, I, just, I
0: don't, it doesn't <laughs> sound like you do. Uh, all right. Let's, we'll leave it at that. Um, please rate, review our podcast, wherever you listen to this podcast. Um, let Stitcher know that we are uh, not beholden to the Hong Kong uh, syndicate. Um, DaveZeno.com. We actually posted – I forgot to mention this at the top of the podcast. We actually posted a, a piece by our friend Jesse. you um, basically explaining NASCAR using other sports. Uh, it was a really great piece they wrote. Um, uh, did a really good job um and we encourage you to read it it's about nascar so it's okay we're a nascar site now just i'm totally fine with whatever it's got to diversify um but you can read it at dave's that's the will be the second top post this will be the first post when you actually see that uh it's at patreon.com backslash today's i know uh substack.com slash the daves i know uh at and on twitter you can find mj at mj suey so bills at Bill underscore McGuire. I'm at Texas Eller. Dan is at D Wade. Um thanks for listening, guys. Uh we've been the This is so have got to try and work it out. Cause we both know we can't do nothing. Things, Long as you do yours, land here, become free, con Yeah. We do our things, son. Who the act we attract to, hope to reach one. We do our Do it. Do uh, it. We do our things, son. Some will paint a piece, some will spray with a machine gun. It's mad work to be done. Uh, we, we do our things, son. Y'all, I can't I can't nothing. Nothing at all. Yeah, I know we can't